Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. It's the Cleveland Guardians 4, the Colorado Rockies 2 in spring training action. I, I laugh because, you know, it's a, it's a mouthful right there. Uh, that's our final yesterday from a spring training game, but, you know, we're not really here to talk about spring training games. We're here to talk about all the Guardians news. This is my final tune-up for the regular season, just like it was Shane Bieber's final tune-up for opening day yesterday. So we'll see what I can do. We'll see if I can perform as well as Shane Bieber did yesterday uh, in his final game before the season starts. So we got some news to talk about. We got a lot of things going on. The roster is set with an interesting, kind of, kind of set, with an interesting decision being made. And so we'll get into all that. Um, we have a trade that was finalized. Uh, Will Benson to the Reds was finalized with the player to be named later. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about on this Cleveland baseball morning. So first, the game yesterday. Uh, the game's the last few days. Uh, the Guardians have really turned it on here at the end of camp, getting ready for the regular season. After that off day on Wednesday, they beat the Giants 10-0. They take the Cubs 5-3 on Friday night. They beat the Rockies yesterday with not many of their starters in the lineup. Uh, I think Quan was still in there. Uh, batting in the three-hole, by the way. Uh, that was fun. Straw was still in there. Oscar Gonzalez, Zanino, but then some of the younger guys finished up the lineup. Straw was in there, too. Uh, leading off, uh, which I hope we don't. I hope we don't have to see too often this season. I hope. I hope. I mean, Quan should be leading off what, like 145ish games, right? Uh, 150 games, and then maybe Brennan. Maybe let Brennan don't leave Straw in the nine hole. Don't 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 mess with Straw. Just let him be the nine hole. Let him be what Straw is. One thing I realized this spring is the impact Straw seems to have in the clubhouse. Like. You cannot get Quan on a microphone without him talking about how much he loves playing next to Straw. So for those of us that were ready to turn the page on Straw last season, boy, that clubhouse is really behind that guy. So, um, you know, something to keep an eye on as the season goes on is uh, does Straw play as well as he's playing in the spring right now? Because that would be, I mean, that would be a revelation. That would make this outfield damn near... Damn near one of the best in in the game, maybe, if Straw plays like this, right? I mean, between defense and, and speed and getting on base and stealing bases and you get some power from Oscar Gonzalez, like, what we thought was a weakness of this team, I mean, even at the spring tra- at this time last year, we were really worried about the outfield, right? Right? How many people out there wanted to go get an old veteran uh, outfielder to fill one of these spots. And now you're like, holy cow, we we legitimately didn't have any playing time for like for Palacios and Quinn. Uh, they sent them down to uh, to AAA or, you know, placed them on waivers because didn't have room for them. Uh, this outfield's pretty much set and they're going to play. And so, yeah, so the outfield, man, the change that's happened out there. And actually, it brings up an interesting thing here because Bleacher Report has been filling time. They've been dropping these articles where they've just been like ranking every position, you know, whatever whatever they could do to fill time before the season starts. So they went and they took the projected starting three outfielders for every team. So this is in the 90 top 90 outfielders 
Eddie Rosario from Atlanta, former guardian for a brief moment, comes in at number 90. Uh, your guardian slot in here, they got Miles Straw at 59, which seems fair. I mean, yes, the defense keeps the defense puts them in the 60 through 30 group, but I mean, the bat last year, yeah, 59 sounds about right for Miles Straw. They got Oscar Gonzalez, a pretty respectable 37. But where was Stephen Kwan? I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm getting closer and closer to the top of this list, figuring where where do they have Kwan on this list? Did I did I miss him earlier in the list? No, he slots in at number 16 in all of baseball. They have him. Just to let you know, like the 20 down, you know, counting down. Starling Marte is 20 on this list. I mean, I don't know the metrics, how much of this is a gut thing versus actual numbers. Schwarber is 19. Brian Reynolds from Pittsburgh, the guy everybody wants to trade for, is 18. 17 is Dalton Varsho from the Toronto Blue Jays. What? I have... Okay, I am not familiar with this guy. Uh, I guess we should get familiar with him. But then at number 16 is Stephen Kwan, a guy who was ranked as the number 27 prospect in the farm system before making it, uh, making the opening day roster. This guy is ranked as the number 16 outfielder in all of Baseball right above Randy Arozarena, who turned himself into a superstar again in the World Baseball Classic. Man, when big games are... He's a big game player, isn't he? He steps up, man. Uh, so, yeah, right above Arena, Right above Cedric Mullins from the Baltimore Orioles. Another all-star. Guy from the World Baseball Classic. Right above Brandon Nimmo uh, from the Mets. Uh, so, yeah, this guy is in elite, elite territory when it comes to the outfielders in Major League Baseball. And that's just, man, it feels good to get that recognition, right? You know, you feel like Cleveland is a lot of time overlooked. Quan obviously was a guy who was overlooked, you know, going through the minor league system, never ranked very highly. And here he is popping up at number 16 on Bleacher Report's rankings of every outfielder in all of baseball. Pretty cool stuff, I thought. So anyways, getting back to the games uh, this week and getting back to uh, yesterday's game uh, the thing that was interesting for me is, man, Shane Bieber was electric. Uh, now, he wasn't paying, playing against, you know, top, top competition. But, hey, uh, they still had uh, most of their starters in there for the Colorado Rockies. Chris Bryant was in there. Charlie Blackman. Daza in center field. Uh, Moustakis, their first baseman. So, yeah, they had, they had their guys in there. Uh, you know who wasn't in there? Nolan Jones. They sent him back down to AAA in Colorado. Oof, that hurts. But yeah, Bieber just mowing him down. Six and two-thirds, four hits, one earned run, 11 strikeouts, and no walks on 81 pitches. That's a guy that is ready for the regular season. 11 strikeouts in your final tune-up. Uh, and that's not, the again, not the B squad. That's, that's major league talent right there. So what was working for him? Man, I'm digging back into baseball savant. I, for those of you that weren't with us a lot during the regular season last year, we kind of live in baseball savant. Every now and then we'll go over to fan graphs and grab some stats from there. But baseball savant has the most up-to-date you know, stuff, ready to go, uh, in-game stats. Like Baseball savant is where it's at if you want to pull some pretty interesting numbers here and look at the deep into the storylines of the game. And the velocity for the four-seam fastball, Sitting at 90.8, it's spring. It's That is a number I want to see where the jump is to regular season, right? It does does 90.8 average mile per hour forcing fastball turn into 92. 
when the season starts. You know, that adrenaline from opening day kicks in. But, but the thing, I mean, the swing and miss on all his pitches, he had a 72% whiff rate on his slider yesterday. On 27 sliders thrown, they swung 18 times and whiffed 13 times. 72% whiff rate. 100% on the knuckle curve. He didn't use it that often. He was mostly going fastball slider cutter, uh, but they didn't touch the knuckle curve the five times he threw it. Um, They whiffed three times. The CSW numbers, again, CSW numbers is a number we go to a lot to evaluate the pitchers here. Called strikes plus whiffs. It's a good metric on how nasty the pitcher was on that day. How many strikes were they attaining? So, 43% 43% CSW on the fastball, a lot of called strikes, seven called strikes on that thing, 56% on the slider, 47 on the cutter, 80% CSW on the knuckle curve. It's a 49% CSW total on the day. The way this number works, if you cross the 40%, you're in elite territory. You are in the best pitcher of the day territory if you cross that 40% line. So, uh, the fact that he's up at 49%, I mean, that is wicked. That is nasty, nasty Shane Bieber stuff. Uh, he got Pitching Ninja's attention last night. I definitely saw some highlights tweeted out from the Pitching Ninja on uh, his slider and on those swings and misses. So, great stuff from Shane Bieber in this game yesterday. And, yeah, it's going to be a pitching duel come Seattle, come opening day. If we can stay awake for it here in Cleveland, I know some of you are spread out around the world, but... Those of us on the East Coast here, or Midwest East Coast, uh, if we can stay awake for it, we're going to see a hell of a pitching matchup. Because if you remember, Castillo and then Robbie Ray, who's pitching uh, Game 2, they were pretty dominant against us last year. They both, you know, we faced Seattle twice at the, towards the end of the season, end of August, beginning of September, and they both had really good games uh, against us to finish things out or uh, in, in our only matchup with Seattle last year. So going up against that pitching staff uh, for opening weekend, it, whew, it's going to be tough. These are going to be tough games. Don't don't make any snap judgments out of the gate here in April. The, the schedule is actually pretty brutal for Cleveland uh, here in April. I mean, we face a lot of heavy hitters. We face Seattle twice. We face the Yankees. Uh we face the. We don't know what the Red Sox are going to be. Uh, I guess things cool off a little bit. We got the Marlins and the Rockies and the Tigers and the Nationals thrown in there. It's going to be an interesting April. It's it's going to be interesting. Remember this schedule this year. We play everybody. It's it's going to be a new feel. It's going to be a lot of fun seeing all these different teams. But it means you're not going to get those stretches where you get like two weeks of loading up against the Tigers and the Royals over and over and over again, where you can rattle off you know, 10 out of 12 wins or something like that. So it's going to be a challenging schedule, but that also means you're going to face the worst teams from every uh, NL division, right? So we are going to get, you know, Nationals and uh, Rockies in here and stuff like that. So uh, those will help out. Those those definitely help out. Uh, Lighten the load a little bit here in April. So yeah, it's going to be, I mean, the pitching matchups are going to be nasty. And they did announce that it's going to be Bieber, McKenzie, then Savali pitching game three. And then uh, Quantrill is going to get the Sunday game. The one nice thing is that uh, we're not going to have that uh, scheduled off day. They don't have to worry about the weather. They got a roof in Seattle. They don't have to worry about snow outs and rain outs to start the season. 
So, boom, you are getting four games in a row against Seattle. No, And then we go to Oakland. No off days until the fir- till Thursday. In fact, every Thursday in April, we get off. So, uh, plan something else on your Thursday nights. But, yeah, how nice is that? Is that? Me and my brother have talked about this for years. It is the worst feeling. You get that opening day game, and then, boom, immediately an off day. It's so deflating. So, it's going to be a lot of fun having that much baseball to kick things off. But no snap judgments in April. We got to let this thing breathe. We got to let it go. So some other things. Speaking of my brother, I actually got a um, a spring training report. He was out there. He's out there in, in Arizona with some college buddies. They went to the game against the, uh, against the Cubs on uh, Friday night. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I got some. I got some interesting tidbits from him. He saw Tim Heron pitch. Said he looked good. He struck out the side. Big, tall, lanky lefty. Uh, so he was impressed by Tim Heron, a guy that's quietly come up through our system. I mean, wasn't a high draft pick. Kind of worked his way up, uh, and now is going to get a chance to. Uh, to, yeah, to, to make this opening day roster, to be the lefty, the lefty out of the pen. Uh, so that's got to feel pretty good for Tim Heron. I'm trying to pull up the uh, box score here so I can check on exactly where he was drafted. Major League Baseball has changed. Oh, man, they changed the MLB app. They changed uh, their website a little bit. I got to get used to clicking around. I can't click around as fast as I used to. Uh, he was drafted in 2018. Tim Heron was drafted in round 29, pick 883 overall. So yeah, it's been a little bit of a journey for this six-six lefty uh, to make it to the major leagues. But he's here, and he, like I said, he is the lefty until Henches comes back, and maybe might get to stick around if he performs well. So I think they said he had one bad start where he was walking a bunch of guys, or one bad appearance where he was walking a bunch of guys this spring. But him and Hunter Gaddis are going to be the final two spots in the bullpen. And you know what? I know I was ragging on uh, Gaddis and Curry and some of these other guys kind of in the middle, the triple-A level of pitching. I know it was a little hard on them a few days ago, but they have settled down and looked decent this spring. Uh, it's still spring baseball. We got to see what they act like when the bright lights you know, of a major league stadium are on them. But Gaddis is going to be in the bullpen. And it sounds like Curry is going to be first man up for any rainout doubleheaders that happen throughout the month of April. And this is Cleveland. They are going to happen. So I guess those Thursdays might come in handy after all. So, uh, yeah, that's your bullpen. And then to finish out setting the roster, actually to finish out uh, my brother's spring training report, the other thing he was there for was Arias getting hit in the hand. And he said it was a bad sound. The whole stadium went quiet. It was not a good sound. Luckily, uh, x-rays on Arias' hand, It's nothing's broken. Uh, you know, they call it a contusion, but that's a pretty bad contusion, man. That's a, that's, a, oof, that's a beat up hand. So he's not playing for the rest of spring, and hopefully they just, they get him on a nice ice and anti-inflammatory regimen and get that, whatever swelling or whatever they need to do down that, I mean... Can you imagine trying to grip a baseball bat after getting your hands smashed like that? Ooh, oh, it's gonna take a few days. He, he that's gonna take a few days. So, hopefully, by that opening weekend in Seattle, he's able to. I mean, grip the baseball bat. That's probably got to be his number one concern right there. Um, so yeah, so 
Arius, uh, that's the other thing he told me. Uh, yeah, he just had a good time. He said spring training game was a blast. So uh, the Guardians did good. Oh, that's the other thing he told me. Uh, so there were two home runs in that, or three home runs in that game. Straw had a home run too. And uh, he said Ramirez's home run was, you know, a good home run. Kind of a line drive home run, what you expect from Ramirez. He said uh, Bell's home run, though. Bell's home run was an absolute blast. He said this guy is a monster up at the plate, and he just absolutely launched one. So I got a feeling, man, when we're in progressive field, uh, we're going to see some fireworks from Bell. It's, it's going to be fun. It's it's impressive. It's impressive what Antonetti was able to do to kind of fix the Fermil Reyes situation, right? You had this big, powerful right-handed hitter that all of a sudden just went so ice cold you couldn't even keep him on your roster, like couldn't keep him in the lineup, couldn't keep him on your roster. And then to be able to fix that in the offseason, go get Bell, who's a switch hitter, who gives you even more flexibility in the lineup, uh, can play first base, and still brings that huge, huge right-handed power when you need it. That's that's pretty impressive. I you know, I, I shouldn't say Antonetti, Antonetti and Chernoff, right? We kind of always include them. It feels like both of them are making those decisions, even though Chernoff is technically the general manager. Um, so yeah, so it, it's impressive that they were able to fix that situation so quickly. I mean, that, that could have been something that really held this team back trying to find that right-handed power still. So yeah, so he was very impressed with Bell's home run. So that's my spring training report from my brother out there in Goodyear with his college buddies. What else is going on? So finalizing the roster, sorry, I'm a little all over the place because there's a lot to get to here Uh, to kind of wrap things up in spring training. So they finalized the roster out there in Goodyear, and they made some interesting decisions. Like I said, uh, Quinn and Palacios are not going to be with this team when they break camp, which is something you all thought was going to happen. Instead, they're going to carry three catchers. Zanino, Gallagher, Valoria are all going to be on this roster. Now, the way Mandy Bell kind of explained it in her article is that on the days Zanino catches, Zanino catches. On the days Gallagher or Valoria catches, they don't want to pinch hit and then bring Zanino into the game like they were doing with Austin Hedges a lot, right? Hedges would come in and finish off the 8th, ninth innings of a lot of games. This gives them the flexibility to start Cam Gallagher, a big situation in the 6th, 7th, whatever inning. They can pinch hit Arias, they can pitch hit Brennan, depending on what they need, and then Valoria can come into the game and finish out catching that game. Do they think this is going to be the entire season? No. Is this the plan going into April? Yeah. So the other thing that they left the possibility for is if somebody gets waived, somebody that's just simply irresistible, and I I wish I could afford the music drop right now, uh, if someone comes along that they just, they're like, man, what an opportunity to get this guy on our roster. They have room for that, right? They have room for that now in the next few days. Those decisions are coming fast. A lot of guys are being shown the door or, you know, being put on waivers or being sent down to AAA. So a lot of those decisions are happening fast. If someone comes along that they think just it's too good to pass up, they now have the flexibility to do that. They also have to make decisions on the 40-man roster, which is like really difficult here. Both Gallagher and Valoria have to be added to the 40-man roster. So where do they find room for that? 
I mean, you're not going to do anything with those minor league middle infielders like Martinez, uh, Noel, Rocchio, Tanya. Those those guys are on the 40-man roster. Brito. Uh, what do you, it, Lavastida? Do you have to put a Lavastida on waivers? Because you know Bo Naylor's the catcher of the future. Do, do you get... Do you put Lavastida on? Hope he clears waivers, but then you get a Valoria or a Gallagher on. Valera is injured, right? Do they do something like move Valera to the 60-day IL, which will freeze up a roster spot that way? Or, I mean, one of these young pitchers. I mean, there's not many to choose from here that aren't on the roster. You basically have Blouse, uh, Cantillo, Curry, and you're not going to beat him, and Pilkington. And those guys are your minor league depth right there at starting pitching. So what are they going to do? What are they going to do to find that spot? on the 40-man roster. They still have some decisions to make. These things, these decisions aren't locked in stone. These things are not final yet. But uh, that's everything that's being announced out there from Goodyear as far as what they're going to do about this roster. So the last bit of news I wanted to talk about this morning is they finalized the Will Benson trade with the Reds. They got 22-year-old left-handed pitcher Steven Hajar. Um, This guy is a big lefty. And he's pretty far down there in the minor leagues. Like, he's pretty low in the minor leagues. He made it to high A ball last year with Cincinnati. So, he's still got a while to go in his journey. Uh, He has been a starter up until this point. But you could see him going through a Sam Henches-esque career path where that lefty out of the bullpen is just too irresistible. But strikeouts per nine whenever the Guardians... Trade for a pitcher, immediately go to the strikeouts per nine stat column. It's usually in double digits, and that's what this guy has been uh, throughout his whole career in college, in the minor leagues. Uh, In the minor leagues last year, he was at 14.3 strikeouts per nine. So, yeah, does that sound like a Guardians pitcher to you? Absolutely. Uh, He dealt with, I believe, an ACL injury. Um. But uh, so he can't. He's a little bit of a bounce back from injury kind of guy. Um, but he he struggled a little bit with command. Walks were maybe a little high. Um, walks per nine when he hit uh, high A were at seven point seven. So command is going to be an issue. But but it's uh, it's somebody that the Guardians definitely see they can work with. So I'm not surprised here that the Guardians go after a. Big strikeout type pitcher. Uh, let's see how tall is he. In the highlight, he looks pretty tall. Let's see what they actually have him listed at. Six foot five. Six foot five, 240. So, yeah, big lefty. So, that's pretty exciting there. Uh, you know, Benson is going to get an opportunity in Cincinnati that he wasn't going to get here. And Hajar is now really set up for success in the Guardians pitching factory. So, I think that covers us. I think that's got us ready for opening day. Yeah, we got to play a few more tune-up games here. We get our final Arizona game against the Reds. It's McKenzie's final tune-up. And then we play those two games in Arizona, which seems to be a thing we do often. I don't know. Did we strike a deal with the Diamondbacks or something like that? That we always finish up our spring playing two games against them in their home ballpark. But, uh, yeah, we're we're there. We're ready for opening day. It's this week. It's this week, everybody. We see Major League Baseball for real televised. I hope on our on our TVs. Uh, you know, I think Major League Baseball, Bally Sports is 
at least figure that out to start the season. So, uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but I am ready for baseball season to start. I'm still enjoying the end of Cavaliers basketball season. I'm enjoying March Madness. Uh, The Ohio State women, I'm an Ohio State grad. And the Ohio State women are doing pretty awesome things in the women's basketball tournament. I got to check that out yesterday. Uh, And, uh, yeah, so college basketball is still exciting. NBA is still exciting. But it's our season. It is time for our season to start. The weather's breaking right. Us in Cleveland, we have a beautiful, sunshiny, 50, 60-degree day today. Look, it ain't summer yet. But, oh, man, we're close. Oh, we are so close so yeah, let's get baseball season started. Let's get this thing started for real. I'm ready to talk real games, storylines in games. I'm ready to see what this team can do bouncing back. Uh, you know, from their AL division appearance, AL's, you know, division series appearance last year. Can they defend the American League Central title? And can they uh make it deeper into the playoffs, right? Can they make another run in it this year? So Let's get this thing going. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. I'm not super active on Twitter. I'm not going to be honest with you. But follow once the games start, I'll probably be a little more active. Follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Look, morning people. I created this show so that we can all have a platform to talk baseball. And I got to be honest, I'm a little disappointed with how quiet you have been all spring there's been a lot to talk about this spring and the inbox is not filling up so as the season approaches cleveland baseball mornings at gmail.com come on participate in the show join the show be a part of this thing let's talk baseball we'll discuss it on the show whatever you email in whatever questions you got for me i'm ready for them also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, which is now Spotify. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. You can do it that way. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. I appreciate you. If you heard the baby crying in the background, nothing serious, just a diaper change uh, from the room next door. I appreciate you putting up with that sound. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.